See, they gave me, I got like three subjects. I can, I could go either way. And you spend all day, or actually just since the last teaching I've been, it's, he, he gives you so much. Got to know when to release, what to release, how to do it. It's all part of teaching, isn't it? Because he can give you something to, you know, last week, but it ain't for this week. It depends on the temperature of what I'm dealing with in here. What's going on in here? Holy Spirit can teach from one voice and minister to 40 people. 40 different personalities. Oh, 40 different situations. 40 different circumstances. Holy Spirit can minister out of one voice. Isn't that impossible? That's powerful. You have your own thoughts. Saying that you have your own thoughts and personality. Everybody, yet Holy Spirit comes in together and in unity, I can speak to all of you. That is a miracle. He's, he's speaking to, you know, your upbringing. Your thoughts, what happened to you? And he's ministered out of one voice all of your needs. He covers every, he don't leave no stone unturned. He just, he just witnessed right there. He just ministered right there to you. So that teaches you how to receive. So just think about all of your upbringing, all of your, how, nobody else know all of that. You and your innermost who you are. And you're sitting by somebody got the same type of, same thing. Innermost, all her thoughts, where she grew up, you can grow up in the same home. And see, Something totally different. And he can minister. It's, it's so awesome when you understand how Holy Spirit ministers to you. He's specialized. He's specialized. Now I got some unfinished business <laughs> from Hanukkah. I did not finish that. But also, I got some unfinished business from Tuesday night. Amen. I mean, I got some work to do. I got some work. Can y'all, can I take my time and work it? Mm, mm, mm. God, I'm just got, I got some things. So we experienced Tuesday night. I was giving y'all a lot of things, and this is why it's so important. <sighs> I just need to know, since Tuesday, is there a change? We were talking about, we were talking about <laughs> some of your compadres, demons. Because some of us just been entertaining demons too long. See, I come also just to see if the house is swept just like he does. I'll just come to see. Uh, before I come, before I go there, I'm just serving warning right now to him. Mm -mm. The question is, why are some not delivered? Mm -hmm. That's not... That's the teacher, but I got to give you a little sidebar before I go into that. 
give you, give you a chance to adjust some things in your spirit. Give you, some, give you just a little time. Give him a little no, no, Give him a little warning. And you, you are to be delivered. this thing I'm playing I'm playing you cannot play see this was wrong with a lot of us and and, I, and and I think we're doing two weeks on two weeks right that's what teacher told me so I got you this week and next week God willing <laughs> come up there you know but you know but if she need more I'll give it to her you know, if she need more I'll give it to her you know I'm not I'm all right with that. So what I want to do. Before I get into this, I just want to give y'all, I just want to, uh, before I get into the finishing up the Hanukkah thing, which I need to, because you're going to be blessed as well. But just letting you know before we, when I come back to this and I said, why are some not delivered? It's about eight reasons, and we, hopefully we're going to take our time and go through them. But I'm going to give you first one, before I go into my other teacher, I'm going to give you Hanukkah first, but I'm going to give you this, just to set you up, because I need, I need that demon that's still tormenting and still hiding Amen. to know I see you. <laughs> Why are some not delivered? A lack of repentance. Oh, this is a good one right here. A lack of desperation. Mm. Wrong motives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Self-centeredness. A desire for attention. Failure to break away from the occult. Mm-hmm. Okay, then we're going to come back. We're going to keep going on this one, but... Failure to serve, oh, oh, excuse me, failure to sever, <laughs> binding soulless relations. You want to know why my deliverance ain't taking place or why it don't stick? I'm giving you eight things. A lack of release from a curse. Well, this is going to be a good one right there. Amen? Amen. That's just an appetizer. You know, like you're looking at the menu. Yes. Yeah. Some of y'all like to eat y'all sweets first. Who like to eat their sweets first? Say that. I know it. I, I know who it is because you go well, I'm with me sometimes. Oh, I like you know. <laughs> okay. We're gonna go in here if we get here. This is I'm gonna take my time. I have to do the order that he tells me to do it. All right. So when we were at the Hanukkah teaching, he just so it's so much, y'all, he has not. He's bringing it all together. I told you, we won't finish, even though we, it ended, but his, it never finishes. The feasts continue. <sighs> I entitled this the add-on from Hanukkah. <laughs> this is funny. You get your notes in here. Why did Yeshua write on the ground? 
Oh, I got it for you. Uh, yeah, hold on, because they got a lot of crazy stuff out there. The Pharisees came to Yeshua on the Mount of Olives and confronted him and asked him about the woman caught in adultery. Pastor, what has this got to do with Hanukkah? <laughs> Some are saying, what has that got to do with me? <laughs> Moses and the Torah says that she must be stoned. Correct? Y'all read this? Y'all know this? Adulterer. Caught in the very act. Mm. Okay. Let's find out the context of what Yeshua really did and why he wrote a couple of things on the ground. This is, okay. Go to, uh, go to the book of Yokadan. That's John. Mm -hmm. We need to find out what happened. We need to find out about this Mount of Olives again. John 7, 37 and 38. You got complete Jewish? Let's kind of stay in that vein just for a minute. Amen. And it so reads, this is John chapter 7, verses 37 and 38 in the complete Jewish Bible. Now, on the last day of the festival... Hoshana Rabbah, mm -hmm. Yeshua stood and cried out, if anyone is thirsty, let him keep coming to me and drinking. Whoever puts his trust in me, as the scripture says, rivers of living water will flow from his inmost being. Hmm. Rivers of living water will flow through his innermost being. Okay, go to John 8. Remember that. I'm trying, to, I'm trying to give you some context. What's going on? John 8, 3 and 5. Okay, let's see here. It so reads. This is verse 3. The Torah teachers and the Prushim brought in a woman who had been caught committing adultery and made her stand in the center of the group. Now, in our Torah, this is verse 5. Moshe commanded that such a woman be stoned to death. What do you say about it? Okay. So the Pharisees is asking Jesus, Yeshua, this question. Wait a minute. The Pharisees said, yesterday you proclaimed yourself to be the Messiah. By the way, these are the same Pharisees that he's talking to, right, that brought the adulterer to him. These are the same ones, Okay. See, a lot of times we, we miss the backdrop what's really happening. I told y'all, he's standing there on Solomon's porch, and he's declaring that I am the light of the world. And I told y'all, and I showed y'all that he actually, they knew the scripture that he was proclaiming to be. Okay. Just like, you know, 
It's just like you say, I am a father. Yet your, son, your daughter's not here. But I am. You were, when she conceived, a father. Every man is a father. You carried the seed. Okay, it just doesn't mean it just don't have no fruit yet. It's still a tree. Okay. Apple tree is still apple tree when there's no apples on the tree, isn't it? Yes. It's still an apple tree. That's right. Okay. Let's go here. You proclaim yourself to be the fountain of living water. This is what they're saying, too. Remember, I gave you the backdrop, and they had the big vats of water that they were pouring out. Huge vats of water. Representation of the scripture. And like, Pastor, come on, hurry up. He said, they said, now you're bringing a woman a day after. And I told you the day after. Now, this is the day after the eighth day. This is the day after the eighth day. We're still on the Mount of Olives. Told you about the East Gate. How he's coming back, that's what the scripture said. That's how he's going to return. That's how he's going to depart, and that's how he's going to return. Amen. See, this like, what are you talking about? See, they got to be at Hanukkah. Okay. Listen to this. Hanukkah means what? Dedication. Okay. Mm. Hanukkah. The root word of Hanukkah is what? Enoch. Hanok. Where you get Hanukkah from. His life was dedicated to God. And God, in his own little one word, raptured him. In the one little act, God gave all 66 books with the catching away of Enoch. The whole thing, salvation, everything that you're looking for. It's right there in the catching away in Enoch's name. And we fail to see it. Okay. All right. He's saying, this is the day after that you bring me this woman. And according to the law of the Torah and Moses, she is to be stoned. Correct? Then they ask him, what do you say? If you just keep reading, I'm just paraphrasing right now. What do you say? Hmm. Let's see here. Yeshua never argued with the Pharisees or Satan. He never argued with them. He never argued with them. Okay. He talked to them, but he didn't argue with them. He just, he just used the word. It is written. It is written. It is written. See, we won't, we won't do it is written because you don't know what is written. So you can't say what is written. He came for everything. He came for his kingdom. He came naturally, came spiritually. And every attempt, what is, it is written. Okay, hold on. The Pharisees not dumbs. They're not dummies. They know the word of God. They study. Okay. Okay, this is the problem. 
He just quoted them the Bible. Remember, this is the day after on the Mount of Olives. He proclaimed to be the fountains of water. All that's in the background. They showing all this and they showing it. Yeshua answered them the Torah. Matter of fact, go to, go to let's go here. Let's go to um, Leviticus 20. Complete Jewish. Leviticus 20, 10. He only answered them with the word. Oh, he went to the Old Testament. He didn't go to the New, did he? Leviticus chapter 20 and verse 10. So reads, if a man commits adultery with another man's wife, that is with the wife of a fellow countryman, both the adulterer and the adulteress must be put to death. Now listen to this. See, the Pharisees think they slick. And Leviticus says, both the man and the woman have to be there. Uh-uh, uh-uh. They only brought her. <laughs> you got to have both. So he showed them in the word. First, now you're starting off wrong. You're trying to get me, you're starting off wrong already. You're starting off wrong already. I need both of them here. I can't stone her. I need both of them. I need the adulterer and the adulteress. Mm-mm. He said already, according to the Torah, you're wrong. This is why they didn't have an answer for him. I told y'all they know the word. And if you keep reading in John 8, you get to about 6, he says something, he, he, he wrote something on the ground and he answered them from the Torah. Again, go to Deuteronomy. I like, you just got to work the word. All the answers is there. <laughs> you just don't know where to look. You won't take the time to seek. Go to Deuteronomy 19. Hmm. We're going to be building something now. Come on, Deuteronomy 19, uh, 16 through 19. So reads. If a malicious witness comes forward and gives false testimony against someone, then both the men involved in the controversy are to stand before Adonai, before the Kohanim and the judges in office at the time. The judges are to investigate carefully. If they find that the witness is lying and has given false testimony against his brother, you are to do to him what he intended to do to his brother. Okay. In this way, you will put an end to such wickedness among you. All right. Okay. So, so what? He, so the Pharisees already started off wrong. Stone her. Can't stone her because he's not here. Now you're bearing what? False witness. Okay. Oh my God. This is all through Hanukkah. This is the same setting. I know. Okay, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He keeps on writing. Who is without sin cast the first stone? He was quoting Deuteronomy 19. Everything that Jesus said 
was said in the Old Testament. He's only quoting the Bible, the Old Testament. He's only quoting that when he's speaking to them. And they know the word. The Pharisee knew that he was quoting Deuteronomy 19. They knew it. Just like they knew the other day, the day before, that he was quoting Zechariah. He knew. He knew. They knew. See, this is, this is, this is good. Still haven't got to what, what he actually did. Bro. Just like they knew the day before that he was quoting the word. When he proclaimed to be the light of the world. But what was he writing on the ground? You must remember that everything in the Old Testament is a shadow of the New Testament or the Brit Hadashah or the Renewed Covenant. Everything that you see in the Old is a shadow. Everything that you read that Joshua did, that Moses did, everything you did was a shadow of things to come. We don't think like that. You just read it and take it just for it is. It's a shadow of things to come. This is why it's so important to understand the Hebraic roots of the Bible. Okay, I'm going to say it again. This is why it's important to understand the Hebraic roots of the Bible. The context when things happen in order to fulfill or in order to really fully understand what is really going on. Not just with your Western mindset. And this is where we error all the time. Okay? You got to understand that. That's why this is ministry. We try to bring that to light. Okay? If Yeshua wrote something on the ground, it must be very important. To understand when everything is, you have to go and find it in the Bible. We need to know the context. And the context is the day after the Feast of Tabernacles. Okay? Eighth day. He's, this is happening the, after the eighth day. This is the very next day. The same Pharisees that said that he was telling them, I'm this and I'm that, they still didn't believe. They still want to get them. They want to trip them up. You can't do that to the word. They didn't realize the word was before. <laughs> Did not know it. Okay, here we go. Y'all all right? Yeah. Okay, y'all following? Yeah. Now listen, you have to know the context. The context is the day after the Feast of Tabernacles. He proclaimed himself to be the fountains of living water. We find out what he wrote. Go to Jeremiah. That's a good book. Go to Jeremiah. Woo! Amplified. Go to Jeremiah 17. You got it? 13 through 14. Verse 13. It so reads, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who forsake you shall be put to shame. They who depart from you and me, your prophet, shall disappear like writing upon the ground because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living waters. Water. <laughs> Heal me, O Lord, and I shall be healed. 
save me and I shall be saved for you are my praise. Okay. Hold up. You just found out what he wrote on the ground. Read it again. It says, oh, Lord, the hope of Israel. All who forsake hold on, hold on. you. You got complete Jewish right there? I do. You want to complete Jewish right there. Verse 13, hope of Israel, Adonai. All who abandon you will be ashamed. Those who leave you will be inscribed in the dust. Because they have abandoned Adonai, the source of living water. Here we go again. I'm revealing myself again to you in the scripture. You still deny me. Oh, he wrote in. We've been here for a long time. We ain't never know what he wrote. Oh, he wrote the names of all the people. No, that's not what he wrote. He wrote what they going to do. Okay. Woo. Did y'all get that? <laughs> Thank you. I mean, did y'all hear this? Read it again. It says, Hope of Israel, Adonai, all who abandon you will be ashamed. Those who leave you will be inscribed in the dust because they have abandoned Adonai, the source of living water. Now, I just showed you yesterday that I was the living water. I come and drink of me. You'll never thirst again. I'm the living water. He still presented himself to him and they still refuse him. Oh, my God. I've been wondering, what did he write? I know. This is what he wrote. This is still Hanukkah. This is still the same. He's still revealing himself. Then they try to trip him up with his own word. Kill her. No, you got to have both. Okay. This is why. Okay. Now we understand that Yeshua wrote in the ground. Oh, my God. See, even in, Joshua, in, Jer in Jeremiah, he also reveals his deity in the book of Jeremiah. His deity. See, they know who he is. But they deny the truth. Just like an atheist. Just like some of you. You know who he is, yet you still choose to live. And not serve. And not forsake all the little things that you like to do. You will not get, oh, see, that's in my other part. Oh, I got a whole lot for you. So we understand that Yeshua wrote in the Bible. This is, this is it, and I'm going to close with this part right here. He said, either we're going to be written in the book of the Lamb's book of life and spend eternity with Yeshua, or those, that's what we're either going to do. We're either going to have our names written in the book of life yeah. and spend eternity with Yeshua, or We will be those who reject him, the fountain of living water. My God. Their names will be written on the earth. This is what he was, this is what was happening. Remember, the Bible says that with, it's that he without sin cast the first stone. 
And then they begin to leave one by one, just like the scripture says. Ashamed. From the oldest to the youngest. Did y'all hear that? This is exactly what it says in Jeremiah 17. They begin to leave one by one and ashamed. Because they had forsaken the fountains of living water. Isn't that something? That's Hanukkah. Woo! I'm trying to tell you, this is what study do. Y'all got to understand. Do y'all get it? Oh, was that just going too far? Teacher, did I go too far? You, you need to know the complete picture of why that woman was thrown out there. And we, we just been taught. We didn't even know what season, what day it was. Because we don't know the context. We don't know the area. We don't know what was going on. But see how this all ties in? See, I was taught that was just separately out there. Well, well, I don't know what's going on. But it was the day after the great day. It was the same Pharisees that tried to kill him. The same ones. Just can't do it before it's time. A woman caught in adultery. Can't stone her because the word said you got to bring both of them. And they knew it. See how the enemy just tried to get you on that one little fox? That one little thing? So you need to know that it's written. My God. God, oh my goodness. Side note, that's all that was. That's just a side note. It sure is. It's a, just a side note. What time is it? Okay. Got plenty of time. Time and eternity. Hey, teacher. She's gone, y'all. She's, when you're seeing that posture, the Lord talking to her. My God. So, I think I ended up last on Tuesday, I gave y'all the common names of demons, some of them. Pride, rebellion, witchcraft, I tell you something, right? Fear. Paul said, God has nothing. Hmm. Well, he has given us the spirit of fear, correct? Fear is followed by rejection. (laughs) One of the most common issues in the world and in the church is rejection. Okay. All right. A sense of feeling unworthy, unwanted. Nobody really loves me. Y'all saw the shift, right? We left on one, now we shift into the other. Got to stick up. You got to stay with the shift now. Come on. Supposed to be like the wind. Amen? We can come back. Teacher going to probably have something for both of them. So let, let, let's, let me get here before we go here. I'll make sure we get all that we need. Fear is followed by rejection. One of the most common, I say, issues in the church and in the world is rejection. A sense of feeling unworthy, unwanted. Nobody really loves me. I'm on the other side looking in. Mm-hmm. 
At least 50% of the believers need to be delivered from the spirit of rejection. At least half of you. This spirit dwells in the breakup of families. <laughs> okay. This, this spirit dwells in that realm of the breakup of families. Because the thing that, the, that gives the child a sense of security is the love and care of a father. Mm. Every issue that you have right now can be pretty much related back to a father. Your lack of your wholeness is due to the father. What you don't have in you is because of your father not giving what you need. <laughs> Why do you think he comes to us as the father, not the mother? It comes to you as the father. Okay, we're going to get this thing right eventually. Okay, here we go. That spirit dwells in the breakup of families because that child has to have that sense of security. It comes from the father, the love and care of a father. And with this is missing, there's something that cries out. I don't feel secure. I don't think people really love me. Mm -hmm. You hear that? This is why you really have to know that God loves you. You really have to know this. Okay. You really have to know that God loves you. Oh, man. I'm... I'm trying. Mm -mm -mm. It does. But since we're not. Right? You can't be. But you think you are. You think you, I'm good. I'm good. And then that, that perpetuates throughout your generations. That's why I try to put a stop to it. And love you. Amen. See, that's what's wrong with everybody. I want to be married. You, you really want love. <laughs> and <laughs> no, you really, you really want to be loved. I want, I want to have sex. I really want to be loved. I really want to be intimate. I really do. That's how I'm created. Okay. But it's misguided because there's a void that you're trying to fill. And you can never fill it with how many lovers you have. You're not even satisfied. Simply because you don't know the love of the 
Father. So you, the void is there, but you try to fill it in. And you can't. And no one can. So when you break up with somebody, this is why you're heartbroken. You're heartbroken. Because you gave them your heart. The Bible said, oh, no man but to love them. <laughs> okay. All right. Here we go. We got to do this. Okay. We got to do this. Rejection. Okay. Um, I'm going to go into something a little bit deeper with that as I continue with that rejection. If I can handle that a little bit. So. God really, listen, this is why you have to know that God really loves you. Mm-hmm. That spirit will convince you that nobody, nobody loves you. That everybody around you is experiencing love except you. Love is all around you, and I can't feel it. This is the spirit of rejection. This is the spirit of rejection. Okay? I didn't say you was possessed. I'm saying you're being... <laughs> you're open to it. Look at this. I don't feel it. I see it, but I can't feel it. That's what... This is what we do. Hold on. I'm going to help y'all right quick. All right. It's a good word. See, a lot of you say that all the time. We say that all the time. Okay, hold on a second. Let me get you. All right. All right. It's funny, you turn your computer, start trying to work and everything when you're trying to do what you need to do. Y'all praying for me? Okay. Okay, y'all keep praying for me. I'll get you in here. I'll get you. Yeah, it just happened like that. I'm trying to move here. I got y'all. Don't worry. Got you. I got you. Ah, all right. Okay, here we go. You just got to be a little patient. Amen? All right. When you're patient, it all works out. I told y'all demons tend to operate in gangs. Typically, one particular demon is a door opener. That is, to hold the door open for the succession of other demons to follow. Mm -hmm. You don't realize the demonic attack that's on you while you're just sitting right here. You, because you can't see. Or perceive. One of the most common door openers is rejection. Okay? Listen, listen to this. There are two different re reactions to rejection. 
One is a passive. A person yields to this condition and goes through life with it, but becomes more and more unhappy and withdrawn. The other reaction is aggressive. In this case, a person fights back, adopting I don't care attitude and developing a shell of of outer hardness. See how much see, see how see how much you be entertaining? There's a passive and an aggressive way that this this entity enters your life. Okay. I'm talking about these this went this went with the teaching on, on Tuesday with the emotions and attitude. Okay? We're going to plow on through here. If a person's reaction to rejection is passive, the gang that presses through this door includes some of all of the following. Self-pity. Uh-oh, here's a big one. Loneliness. Yeah, loneliness is an absence of absence of direction. That's what loneliness is. Misery follows. The big D, depression. Despair. And finally, suicide. You can't entertain these thoughts. You, you do have to know that you're loved. Y'all open that door for rejection. If a person, as I told you, you open up the door to self-pity. I can't stand that one. Loneliness, misery, depression, despair, and finally suicide. Virtually suicide is motivated. Most of motivation of suicides are motivated by demons. You need to know that. It is obvious that the demon of suicide does not enter because a person has already killed himself. It comes to drive a person to suicide. Just like the spirit of murder. It comes to drive the person to murder. Listen to this. Whoever hates his brother is a murderer. That's 1 John 3.15. Whoever hates his brother is already a murderer. So you're sitting in here and you can't stand somebody. The Bible calls you a murderer. So you got to be careful with your heart. You need to guard that thing. Okay. I didn't say it. The Bible said it. Now this, I need y'all to understand this one. I'm going to talk about abortion just for a second. So I need you, I just need you to hear. A woman who's had an abortion, that is the spirit of Murder. 
I'm just saying. If people get offended, it ha- things happen. And I'm, not, I'm just telling you what it is. That is the spirit of murder. It is heavy. That's why. If she didn't realize that she was actually, and some people don't realize that they're taking a human life. She probably can't be free until she confesses her sin and repent. God, he receives the murderer. Okay, look at, uh, let's look at David. Let's look at who else? Noah. I mean, Noah, Moses. Okay. All right. Repent. I I don't need no, just repent. On the other hand, if a person reaction to rejection is aggressive, it opens the door to a gang that includes, uh uh-oh, anger, hatred, rebellion, witchcraft, violence, and finally murder. I'm talking about that aggressive rejection, a person that takes that. You can go two directions, passive or aggressive with your rejection. So you open the door for that. I already gave you 1 Samuel 15, uh, 15, 23. Rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft or divination. People open up the door of rebellion, witchcraft usually follows. Y'all heard that in the back, back there? A person that is in rebellion usually open up the door to witchcraft, some form. Isn't that something? Mm, aggressive. It opens the door. That's rejection. It opens the door for anger, hatred, rebellion, witchcraft, violence, and finally murder. That is the aggressive. See, you know, like in the 60s, maybe some of y'all don't, maybe I know this ahead of some of y'all, but in the 60s, some of y'all know about that is the flower power, the uh, all of this, the whole act of that, Charles Manson, everything was about rebellion yeah. to society. Yeah. So most of those people ended up in what they call the New Age. Yeah. Rebellion follows witchcraft. Yeah. Uh, witchcraft follows rebellion. Which, they got plenty of books since the 60s that you can get a hold of. Mm-hmm. See, the enemy had a plan. We just don't, Okay. Just like some of the books that y'all read that say this Christian is not Christian. Can I talk about it? I was talking to, I was talking to the, okay, I'm going with Napoleon um, Hill. That some of y'all read that Think Rich and Grow and all that, whatever it is. How many of y'all read that book? Be honest. Come on. Be honest, see that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, just keep reading because he channeled. He channeled spirits. But see, you can't see it because all, all you are focused in on getting rich or successful. 
That's what that book is about. Oh, he was a Christian, really? No, he won't. But we read those things, and you try to acquire, and then you try to bring it into Christ. You can't do that. Amen? Amen. Those are, these, are, these are critical things to your walk that you need to know. You're not the only person that ever practiced yoga and call it Christianity. You're not. Quiet. But you can't. And I'm not going to not talk about it because if it ain't you, it's somebody else. That's right. Thank you. This is some stuff. This is serious stuff right here. Things that we find out why we're not delivered. My goodness. The mind. This is probably the main battlefield of human personality. Some of the characteristics demons are, listen, are doubt, unbelief, listen, confusion, forgetfulness, Indecision, compromise, humanism, and insanity. Now, I didn't say because you forgot something that you got a demon. So I need to, get, I need to clarify that and put that disclaimer out. That because you forgetful, that's a demon. You got to put that out because people be like, oh, I forgot what you just said. No, I'm just joking. Indecisions, compromise, humanism, and insanity. You, you got to know some of these things about the mind. This is where he lives and dwells in. Y'all know that? I'm just giving you some quick things real quick. The tongue. A demon that operates in the area is either, either of the mind or in the tongue. It's called a lion spirit. It speaks either through a person's mind or through a person's tongue. That's a lion spirit. Y'all need to know some of these things. Uh oh. Sex. I'm going to be a real pastor because I'm going to talk. Some Christians, look at that, some Christians view sex as inherently impure. They are ashamed even to think about it. Much less talk about it frankly. Yet this is not a, this is not a spiritual attitude. God created Adam and Eve. Sexually, beings. Mm-hmm. Then declared that everything he had created was good. Obviously, including sex. That's first, that's Genesis. <laughs> Genesis 1, 31. I'm going to help y'all, though. 
The sexual urges of a human being is strong. God put it there. However, that is a prime target for Satan. Let me tell you something that he knows that you don't know. He knows that if he can gain control in this area, he has a powerful tool to influence you in every area of your life. Sex. If I know I can get you with that, if I know I can get you with that, I can influence you in every area of your life. Not one area of your life will be concealed to him. You will truly be open if I can get in that area. See why it runs rampant in our young people and our old. <laughs> See, I'll tell you how you know it's running rampant. Because there's masturbation. Uh-oh, there's pornography. <laughs> there's fornication, adultery, homosexuality, lesbianism. See, if I can get you in sex, I can open you up to all of this. Every area of your life. Is your door closed? I want sex. No, you won't love, really. It's not. Because you're going through your flesh. That's why. I'm just telling you that's an entrance. Why? I don't understand why this keeps happening. Because you've given him authority in that area of your life. It'll have you where you shouldn't be. It'll have you where you shouldn't be. Friend or family. Yes. I got a scripture for that too. Okay, they said they said leave that pastor. They said leave that one alone, Pastor. They said leave that alone. Here's the next one. Physical appetites. Y'all gonna be mad at me. This is another error open to demons. The two basics are eating and drinking. <laughs> the two most basic areas in our lives is eating and drinking. For some Christians, see, as purely natural, with no spiritual ramifications or specifics. That's what you do. Yeah, you do. Yet the New Testament depicts these activities as important elements of our Christian lifestyle. Okay. The new believers attitude to church following the day of Pentecost, for example, ate their food with gladness and simplicity of the heart. Praising God and having favor with all the people. Acts 2, 46 and 47. 
I'm saving time. They can read on and on. There was something about the way these Christians ate and drank that impressed the uncovenant neighbors. What would we do today? Would we be an example to the unbeliever today? How we eat. How we drink. Mm, mm, mm. Again, 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Paul said, therefore, <laughs> whether you eat or drink or whether you do or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Did y'all hear that? <laughs> I'm going to say it one more time. First Corinthians 10, 31. Therefore, whatever you eat or drink, or whether you do it, or whatever you do, he said, do it all to the glory of God. This raises a very special question. Is it possible to overeat to the glory of God? Glory! See, we're missing the, the whole simplicity and the ramification of this. <laughs> okay, all right. Now, you think eating is not spiritual. Why can't it be when he said, this is my body, my bread, eat this, drink this. See, eating is very important. We don't take it like that, though. I told you, most Christians don't believe it's a spiritual element. This confronts a Christian in the West where we are today, particularly when overeating has become a lifestyle. Supersize it. Okay, okay. How many of us would even consider that that might be enslavement by a demon? You wouldn't even consider it. Deliverance is happening. Yet, surely this explains why multitudes switch from diet to diet, never achieving their goal of stable and moderate weight. I'm trying to. They are as much in bondage to food as other are to alcohol and tobacco or smoking. So I was talking to the minister, and he said that the bonding agent in cheese, see how I just keep talking? It's, what is it? It's more what? Powerful. Ten times. Come on. Talk. The bonding agent in cheese and dairy products, I, I believe they said it was ten times as addictive as heroin. And I love cheese. <laughs> Cheese demon. <laughs> so you, you're ingesting this, something that's continuing to destroy your cholesterol. See, the enemy, he, takes his, he, he can kill you slow. Or he can kill you while you're enjoying your cheese sandwich or whatever you want to put. He said the bonding agent is that more powerful than heroin. Okay, all right, okay. 
Furthermore, the spiritual and physical consequences of overeating may be less harmful. Listen, it's not more or less harmful than having any kind of alcohol addiction. Eating wrong can be just as detrimental to your health, to your temple, than alcohol or drugs. Okay, let's see what the smartest man ever said about this. Solomon offers a prayer that would be suitable for Christians in bondage to such appetites. Solomon? In the Song of Solomon? Go figure. Catch us the foxes. The little foxes. The little demons. That spoil the vines. For our vines have tender grapes. Song of Solomon 2, 15. Unimportant through it may seem. These little foxes, little demons, listen to this, spoil the tender fruits of the spirit that God looks for in our lives. One form of spiritual fruit that is inevitable or suffers from the little foxes is the spirit of self-control. See, y'all say y'all had this spirit. Well, self-control is one of the spirits. Fruits of the spirit. Self-control. Because I can, should I? I know a lot of y'all, a lot of y'all that, that don't understand that teacher went on a fast about how long ago was this? Uh, last, March. last March. And she still is on it. Can't get off. She won't, but she can't. No, she lost. How many, how many you lost? 25 pounds. Self-control is one of the fruits of the spirit. How come we don't want that one? Yeah, this is all, it's all about sex. No, it's eating too. It's about being someplace you shouldn't be too. It's self-control. See, most of the time when you're someplace you shouldn't be, it stunts your growth. It clouds your vision. Do y'all hear this? Self-control. Okay. I know they, they make a joke because mostly I always tell them this. You don't want to have one meal today. Everybody, everybody be laughing at me because I, I make it fun. But that's true. But it's not about the food. It's about self-control. So when I do want to eat, I have control. I'm, I'm 50, I'll be 54 in May. I take no medicine. I, I don't take anything. I, nothing. I take my vitamins. I don't, nothing. I take quite a bit. But I take care. You got to take care. I'm responsible, he said, for the deeds done in this body. I have to take an account for the deeds done in this body. I need to be here for at least 120 years. So I need to take care of this body. See, there's no self-control. That's one of the fruits of the spirit. I got the fruits of the spirit. Self-control. When it comes to eating, I lose control.
the thief comes <laughs> except to skill, till, skill, skill, steal and kill and destroy. Demons may come through various appetites of lust, including alcohol, drugs, or food. But regardless of the door through which they enter, all have some motivation. They all have a motivation. And it is to cause you harm. No self-control. That's why fasting is, is not that you call it fast, you live a consecrated life. Is that I don't gratify my flesh with every desire that it wants. I'm just going to turn it down today. I love donuts, but today I'm just not going to do it. I'm, just, I'm not coming for a star because y'all know she loves donuts. I'm not coming for it. But you shouldn't allow anything to lead you like that. You shouldn't allow anything to have a hole. It's an entrance. It's just an entrance. It's an entrance. And you know, okay. I'm trying to tell you. Yeah. Keep drinking the water. He's drinking water now. He's not having the issues that he had. Amen. This is, this is what I, I just need us to know that, right? There are many other forms of lust. However, the open door to demons uh, in both men and women, uh, Titus 3.3, 3, Paul says to himself, among those who at, that, at one time were foolish, disobedient, deceiving, serving, enslaved by various lusts and pleasures. Paul saying, this was me. That's in Titus 3.3. 3. He said, that was me too. How wonderful is the grace of God that has provided a way to deliver us from the, the demonic snares. There are so many things. Oh, I got to stop. I won't be able to go too much more. I got more. I got more. Oh, teacher. I ain't going to mess with y'all. Some of y'all might be going to the... Don't let me see you. Some of you might be going to the party tonight. Let me, don't let me. Somebody will be hanging around somewhere around ODU area. I ain't going to say nothing. I was invited. I sure was. I was invited. Did you want me to stop? Because I, I got a whole load. Shake yourself. Shake yourself. Should be some deliverance going on right about now. Shake yourself. Shake yourself. All right, teacher said I can go with it. I'm going to go with it. No, the teacher said go. All right, all right, all right. Oh, okay. <laughs> okay. She said, go ahead. She said, go ahead. 
Okay. You know what? Okay. I got you, teacher. I got you. I got you. I just love when he just redirects you. We're safe on that for Tuesday. We're going to get back to that for the demonic. I got something for you, though. Don't go nowhere. That's right. Be here. All right. Here we go. All right. I like this. Y'all know we record everything, so we're trying to get everything up. You need to go back and listen. You can't get it all. You can't take notes and then actually retain. Okay? Man, Holy Spirit, he is the man here. All right, all right, here we go. Mm. Mm. Go, go real quick. <laughs> Just real quick. I might, call, I might follow up on it, but uh, this thing is getting on my nerves here. All right, hold on. I gotta go back. He just like, he just redirect you. I'm gonna do what he said do. It's better. I can profit that way. All right, here we go. Go to. Y'all said I could now. Don't go to sleep on me then. All right. Don't go to sleep on me. All right. Let me help you with this one first. Here we go. Read this. Now, this is what happens. This is what gets us. Go to Matthew 10. As my, as my son and I'll say, 10. <laughs> 36. Yeah, amplified. We hope y'all with rejection a little bit more. Just tap, tap back on that one. Matthew chapter 10 and verse 36. And no, no, go to 35. Okay. <clears throat> no, no, go to 34. Okay. <laughs> go ahead. It's the truth. <laughs> go ahead. It says, do not think that I have come to bring peace upon the earth. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. For I have come to part asunder a man from his father. Mm. And a daughter from her mother. Mm. And a newly married wife from her mother-in-law. Mm. And a man's foes will be they of his own household. household. It ain't starting nowhere but in your household. A man's foes is within his own home. Oh my God. You ain't got to go out nowhere. Trouble start right there. I always want to go in a little ahead of me. But did the Lord give you 37? Well, go ahead then. It reads, he who loves and takes more pleasure in father or mother. There you go. More than in me is mm -hmm. not worthy of me. Mm -hmm. And he who loves and takes more pleasure in son or daughter more than in me is not worthy of me. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I was going to get that in my teaching, but you went ahead. But that's all right. Woo! Did y'all hear this? Hold on. We got to figure out some things here. So in my home, what's wrong is the order is the home is out of order. A man's foes 
will be they of his own household. 37. He who loves, go ahead. He who loves and takes more pleasure in father or mother more than in me is not worthy of me. Mm. And he who loves and takes more pleasure in son or daughter more than in me is not worthy of me. See, I got, you got your kids and you, they put all this in love into their children and not God. You are not worthy, he says, of me. If you put Tiffany ahead of God, you are not worthy of him. If you put Sam ahead of God. Okay. Right. I like that kind of interaction. Listen to this. Finish that out. Hold on. Yeah, yeah, we're good right there. Wow. Jesus set the believers against the family. Look at that. Jesus set the believer against the family. It is important to see that if it is Jesus who causes the division. Jesus calls a person out of the world. Jesus calls the person out of the world and separates him from the world so that he can go about correcting the evil of the world. So if a family member continues to live in sin and to walk ever so onward toward the grave, Without turning to God, two things usually happen. The believer struggles to save his family and his loved ones, no matter what opposition he may face. The family member rebels against the righteous and effects of the believer. This is what happens, y'all. Oh, my God. The believer is called to a life of righteousness. And to a warfare against sin and yes. evil. Yes. That's your call too. Yes. Oh, you know what I found out? Some family members just simply don't love you. Oh. And the sooner you understand that, the better you can move on, the quicker you can move on. It didn't say that you don't love them. It's, I'm telling you that they don't love you. And it's evident that they don't. Sound like the word is true. Soon as you begin to live right, call you out, now your family turns against you. He said the foes are going to come right there from your house. Soon as you live right. Who is pulling you? See, most of us have this great loyalty to our families. 
I love my brothers and all this, but they doing wrong. I'm not dying for you. That's right. But if you are doing right, now that's another thing. Jesus. Okay. The believer is called to a life of righteousness and to a warfare against sin and evil. If a family member, a family engages on the side of sin and evil, there is a natural conflict between the believer and the family member. The family member is still of the earth. Seeking the pleasures and possessions of the world and still living primarily, primarily to satisfy his earthly desires. He represses and subdues the thought of God so that he can pursue see, his own earthly desires. See, you can't deny God. You, you can, but he's there. What you do is you turn from him and you pursue your life. The believer is on the earth, but he is also of heaven. He is physically and spiritually, and he is living primarily for God and his righteousness, living to reach men with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you living? That's what I want to know. Because to live is to do that. Mm -mm -mm. Two dramatic natures differed dramatically. They are diametrically opposed to one another in the same house. Mm. The person of the world takes primarily, or he talks primarily, oh, you're going to like this one, about the world and lives for the world. But the person of the spirit makes God the primary focus of his life. Talking about and living for God and his righteousness. The person who is saved for real. All his conversation is going to be about is God. That's why they don't like being around us too much. Because y'all talking about God again. Absolutely. Because that's what's in my heart. As a man think of it in heart, so is he. I still love football. I still love sports. I still love working. I still love all of those things. But it's not the forefront of my conversation with you. I said I've got some of my pastor friends. If we talk on the phone, there should be some point God need to drop in the conversation. What are we talking about? Husband and wife. It should be God. I still talk about a lot of things, but God is still the forefront of our conversation. Mm. See how we just slide through? That's, see, the person of the world, that's all they talk about. What's going on entertainment tonight? What's going on with the stars? You care about all that. What's going on in Jeremiah? What's going on in Daniel? What is God revealing to you? You've been in prayer, then what is God saying? 
You've been in prayer. Well, what is God saying? If you've been in prayer, see, y'all, this is part of your walk. If you're a man of God, then God is talking to you. He's giving you direction. But you can't hear me because you got something else in that position. That's what's wrong with most men. They got other things, other cares, other concerns than other than the kingdom. You got to have balance with what you're doing. Don't have no balance. I got to stop because Jesus, he said, I gave you 10 minutes. I got one more, but anyway. This, this, this is what I'm saying. This is, this is where, this is where we, we come short as men. This is where we come short. We, we have to really understand what your job is. If you are saying that you are a man of God, then you should be hearing from God. No, you should be hearing correctly. If you're a man of God, you should be at every service. Every service you should be here. You're leading your family. You can't lead him if your eyes are closed. You can't leave your, your I expect, I expect so much from you. Amen. I expect so much from you. 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 And I expect so, all the men in here, I expect so much from you. I give you new fathers. So you have no excuse except that you connect, but you can't have a funny spirit. See, this is, so how are you going to run your house? How are you going to run your house if you don't know how to run your house? See, that's what's wrong. See, this is what's wrong with most of us. Our houses. It's in there, the enemy. Yeah, please close that up. Shut it down. And move that to the side. It's so important. I have to, I have to reiterate this. The men have got to be strong. You've got to be delivered. You can't operate in fear and pride. You're not hearing from God. If you're operating in that, you're not hearing from God. See, what you're hearing is just an echo of you of what you desire to hear this is what this is why we can't get it together it's not God God's a God of peace
And if I can't say one word and, and it doesn't invoke a spirit of argument, then something's wrong with this picture. There's no balance in my home. There's some ba- imbalance in me. Then your kids are reflecting what they see. And you want them to get it right, but you don't get it right. You will be a father. I mean, you, you're going to have it together. Train your child in the way that they should go implies you know the way to go because you've been obedient. I expect all the men to be here every service. I expect all the men to be here every service. Who don't matter who come, but you need to be here. I need you to be on time. That's another thing. We're getting lax on time and promptness. is for your benefit. Yes. Amen. Hello? Amen. You're not to just stay in the pew. Yes. We're supposed to be co-laboring, working together, creating strong families, husband, wife, children. We're supposed to be doing that, building something. I told you, men are builders. We got young men in the back back there. He needs a mentor. See, but I can't get. I can't get you to think right. I need you to get the think right. How are you gonna prepare your daughter? How are you gonna prepare your daughter if you're not in order? Mm-hmm. You only can. The only thing that you can put in her what's in you, and you can't put anything in it. Is it good? First, you need to define, is it good that's in me? That's good. That's a good question. Because men are givers. And your little baby daughter is going to be a receiver. She's going to be an incubator. Daddy, what you putting in her? Oh, Lord Jesus. So she can be whole and function and be secure. Young women need to know, and I all the way to they need to know what the love of God is. Yeah. And then the children, when you got a parent that wants to love you, and you reject them, see that's a spirit. That's a just a generational thing. Y'all have a good father, Amen. right there, sitting right back there, because he's in the position. Y'all have a good father. I didn't say perfect. I said good. That's the problem. We got to get this right. Our families are hurting. They need repair. I need the men to get in position. I got a son and a daughter have nothing to do with me I love them the same nothing changes y'all may have seen some of the stuff that they wrote on Facebook about I don't care I love them see that's the part we can't 
There's no wounding in me. This is love. That's, and that's what we need to be. So when they come to their right mind and senses, guess what? Daddy will be right there for them. Love them just like nothing never happened. Can't be like them. Hello? This, this is what a pastor has to do. Something, you need that. Everybody needs this. Yes. Nothing worse than a child who's not whole. But it's also nothing worse than a child that's disobedient. And reject. See, that reject the love of the Father. That's what they were doing. That I was showing you what they were doing with Jesus. They were rejecting him. Amen. Hey, teacher. Awesome. I want you all to realize... um, The voice that you're hearing. That's the voice of wisdom. Uh, that's the voice of wisdom that's crying out. Wisdom is crying out that you come into your wholeness, your completeness in Christ. It's not just about being here every time we have service or being on time. Come on, teacher. Because it shows what you don't value. Wisdom is crying out to you what you don't value that's of the greatest value you won't be able to possess. And your life going to remain the same. Wisdom is crying out to you. For the community, your children, you, your life, to actually change for the better. Wisdom is not crying out for itself is crying out for you but you have to see it and you have to hear wisdom I hear the wisdom of God crying out Solomon talks about that wisdom is standing on on the street corner crying out to us and how you should live and what you should be doing I just pray that you have heard the intense cry of wisdom for your life. Because you can't possibly really love your children if you are not obedient. You won't be on time. You won't come. You're not changing. You cannot possibly love your children. You definitely don't love yourself. Uh, just to give you a sum up what Holy Spirit was saying throughout the teaching of what um, he shared with me. Uh, the first part with uh, what was Jesus really writing in the, in the earth, in the dirt? And why was he doing that? And what was happening prior? And it was the feast. It had just ended. And so what God was really trying to... See, we have to stop trying to understand to understand just hear and receive the word of God. Well, what is he talking about? I'm confused and all this. So just hear and receive the word of God. So it's all about prophecy. He want you to, it, it all just tied in from what Minister Brian was teaching. So if you really are an open, true vessel of God, you're just, he'll begin to unfold everything for you himself. He will reveal himself to you. It's not for you to do it. 
So uh, with the communion that Minister Brown was teaching on, he talked about God really wants you to experience him. And that's what he was even doing. He was writing on the ground, in the earth. He was prophesying. Matter of fact, it was after the, the uh, festival. Yep, after tabernacle. After tabernacle. And really, and there is a lot of saying what he was writing. But what I really got out of it was this, is that he was writing what was opposite of the menorah, of the candlestick. Because that was judgment. See, they were trying to get Christ to debate, and as Pastor was saying, that he never argued with the, with the Pharisees. He never argued with Satan. They were trying to get him to debate. Then what will you say for us to do to this woman? But instead, it said, the hand of wisdom. He bowed down as they were trying to debate him. And the hand of wisdom came out. And the hand of wisdom, not with a pen that he wrote, but he wrote with his hand. Wisdom wrote. Wisdom wrote opposite of saying that all what the candlesticks, and we are the candlesticks. And the life and the mind of Christ and all what we understood in Hanukkah. And he spoke about judgment. He said, but I didn't come to judge. He was saying all of that without saying that. I came to save the world. But for those who will not receive the living water, again, the Holy Spirit had not come yet. But he was writing all what this is why he said, you'll understand later. You'll understand later. The book was already written, but the hand of wisdom, hold this just for a second. The hand of wisdom actually was, was writing judgment, showing what judgment would be for those who were accusing the woman. He said, those who are without sin, then you cast the first stone. That really is the unveiling of those. He said, because these are going to be the names of the accuser who are going to be judged. Matter of fact, it goes back to really the fallen ones. The accuser of the brethren. They were accusing this woman. He said, but I didn't come to judge her sin. I came here so she would experience me. And she would know she don't have to sin anymore. This is why he told her, go and sin no more. See, but the main thing about these demons who are trying to oppress us. Hit that back on for me. Is that they want to get you to a place of rebellion. That's the key to get you to a place of rebellion. I get you to a place of rebellion, you'll be just like them. The fallen ones. They want to get you to a place to where you rebel against God as they did. And so this made them now to become fallen, and they fallen, and see, they're in a permanent state. And to get you now to be one of the fallen ones. 
I get you to the thing that God says will cause your enemy to flee. He's going to get you to do this against God. Resist God. Instead, resist the enemy and he'll flee. He's trying to get you in a position, Terrence, to where you resist God. You resist the word. See, and get you to a place to you resist so much that you hate to hear the word of God. It's no longer a place of enjoyment. Okay. I'm just going to wrap it up. He started out by attacking your, your physical body, your ailments, you can't sleep, anxiety, these things. Addiction to whatever your addiction is. Spiritual deadness. See, get you to a place of spiritual deadness, you won't be able to. See, this is how you're going to hate God, because you're going to be dead to the things of God. See, this is how you can get angry real quick and just start to do things religiously. Emotional ups and downs, your highs and lows, fear, hopelessness, abnormal fixation on things you didn't normally be fixated on. And this one here, this takes us back to why does God, and what does he need with our money? See, the enemy get you to a place of financial difficulties, such as a constant and unusual financial stress. He get you to a constant, not every now and then, but constant and unusual financial pressure. Sometimes numerous Things go wrong all very quickly, and it causes us a great financial strain. See, money, money is the thing that brings this pressure. And money is this thing that brings happiness. But it's temporary. This is why he says, it's better to give than to receive. Why did he say that? We don't really know. But if we really understood this, how we would give, this is why he said, when you give, give cheerfully. When you receive, it's a satisfaction and you want to be satisfied more. So I want more. I want to keep receiving. I don't have a desire to give because it's, I have a hunger to be satisfied in receiving. He said, this is why it's better to give so that there's not this craving of receiving. And I'm disheartened when I do have to give. We're talking about rebellion. We're talking about the wholeness of Philippians, Ephesians 3.19, and I'll end on that. 
Because we're not resisting the enemy. We're resisting God. In most of our cases. This is why our life is the same. You're dealing with the same situation. Maybe with a different person, but it's the same situation or with the same person and same situation. But the situation is just increasing in its pressure. Situation is increasing in its pressure. It so reads, that you may really come to know practically through experience for yourselves the love of Christ. Stop. May you know and experience the practical knowledge and intimacy, the love of Christ. See, it's not, we don't get that because we haven't experienced him really. It's hit or miss. It's in a song sometime. And maybe when things are going good, you get a house, a job, a promotion, and you, you attach that to God. But let me tell you, that's not supernatural. To get a house or a car is not supernatural. That's natural. You have income, you can get it. Go to work, income, you get things. God said, don't put his name on that. He's super natural. He put the super on your natural life. He does things outside the ramification of humanity. So if it's within your human means to do it, it's not God. We're talking about experiencing the love of of God. This is a the love of God goes through the entirety of the person's existence, your being, your thoughts, your emotions, who you are. And until you really experience that at a level to where you can actually start to give and you start to just rejoice in you giving and you begin to cry and weep because you're giving because this is what he did. He gave. He so loved the world that he gave. See, when you give, it don't bring you to a place of tears and joy because you don't Realize the supernatural on your giving. When you realize that when you release what God has commanded, it's an anointing that's supernatural. This is why our life is still not changed. So when you give, that has to be a revelation in your giving. Because you should expect the supernatural to be following you. Signs and wonders should be following us. The love of God. May you experience this. See, now when you with whoever, and see, there's no place that you can travel, no money you can have, no car that you can get that brings this type of experience. It's not a feeling, experience. Even your childbirth will not compare to this. Go ahead. 
which far surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God, may have the richest measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Read the King James real quick. You're not going to be, God wants you to be complete. You're not meant to be flawed. See, that's the problem. You still see yourself as flaw. You see a flaw within yourself. Hear me, Celeste. God, when he called you, he called you to himself. Which there are no imperfections in him. You're not flawed because Christ resides. He dwells inside of you. It's a demon when you feel anxiety. He says, that's not of my spirit. Read King James. The King James Version says, And to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. You're in Ephesians 3.19? Mm -hmm. Ephesians is that? Oh. I said King, see now? I said King James, but I'm going to work with you. I'm going to work with you. I'm going to work with you. All right, praise God. That's great. See, you got to be in the spirit. I'm, I'm here, but I'm like that. Okay, thank okay. you. <laughs> in the New Living Translation, it says, May you experience the love of Christ. King James. I just, I just Was King that James. the King James? I just read King James, right? New Living. Okay, that's on me, minister. I praise God. I take that. I repent. That's all right. That's all right. New Living. <laughs> that's how you do that. See, your feelings don't get all up in there. I, Prime example. See? It says, may you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand. Stop. Fully. May you experience the love of Christ. He's coming to you, first of all, let you know what I'm going to say after this. I know that you won't be able to fully, but I want you, may you have an experience to know this great love of Christ. Go ahead. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power. Stop. Then you've been made complete. See, you still are incomplete. This eradicate anything about your past, how you're brought up. I, you know, when you grew up on the street, I was homeless. He said, this removes all your excuses. I have some kind of disorder. I had this, this going on, psychological, mental, whatever, physical. He says, when I come, I bring life and that much more abundantly. When I come, you are going to be complete, Star. He said, with he's not only that, but with power. Sydney, there is no fear in God. There is no flaw in God. Why are we operating in a life of so many flaws? It's still no excuses. My father left. We don't have any excuses. 
See, the enemy wants to bring you excuses so you don't feel loved. And he is, Pastor, all about love. He wants you to feel rejected. And for you to reject, then you're going to have to rebel. He wants you to be in a fallen state. And when you're in that fallen state, you give him a listening ear. So I just want to sum up. That's it. That's all I have for you. But I want you to understand about rebellion. I want you to understand about your wholeness and about you being complete. There's no reason why you are living a life that where you're not prospering except that you haven't taken a hold of the word of God and truly want to experience him. So you keep experiencing your situation, your circumstance, what you're seeing, and you're not experiencing the word of God. This have to be where you remain. Minister, you said that right. This is where we remain. Our mind have to remain in the word of God. Amen. Amen. That's right. He was despised and rejected. He took on everything that you, he did all that for you. So you don't have to feel that way. You can walk in the power. It's that time. My goodness. Man, in Africa, man, this is this just been, been the worship. Two, three hours of worship first. Before we even get the word. My goodness. It's that time you need to come up for prayer in a session if you don't know Christ you're away from Christ it's the time to come up salvation is for today you need healing in your body prayer the altar is open